Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt and with me is Nick Lamley. It's morphin time. And of course we've got James Clark too. Good. Good, I'm glad. But you're glad that you're here. This is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs, and today we've got an above-average show for you. We've got feedback, we got news punch, we got what you've been slaying, and we're going to talk about the main subject, which is going to be debunking the myth of Sir Barrington or Mr. Barrington. I can't, I can never remember. But anyway, and then we've got your electro letters. Yes, it's Sir Barrington, and then we've got your electro letters. But before we begin, I'd like to thank Ace B, Julian Burnick, Ryan Wayhab, and Jason Duncan. These guys all pledge at the $10 a month Dreadlord level on our Patreon and as a result are part of our Dark Army. Head over to patreon.com forward slash 3D RPG podcast to join as well. We've got plenty of tiers for all shapes and sizes. Dwarves, elves, you're all welcome. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's going to be a good show, boys. It's going to be so good, your eyes are going to melt. Oh, perfect. You know, I I can't wait. All right, let's do some feedback, shall we? Oh, let's. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So we got one bit of feedback um, this time. Actually, in the Electro Letters segment, Owen Lean, he asked the question uh, about us, you know, having done podcasting for a while and uh, wondered if there's anything you know, new skills with regards to podcasting that we'd like to learn. And Gary McCallum of the Motor Hobo Show came back and said how to uh, how to do your Discord live stream so that your podcast isn't full of bleeps and baloops. Hmm. And uh, Gary's always been good at stating the bleeding obvious, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we did a an episode last time for um, episode 69, we did a special where we did a live Discord episode and a lot of the listeners joined in and it was really, really fucking good fun. Except, yeah, you could hear the bleeps and bloops from Discord because I, f- I fucked it and didn't know how to do it. And then the show had already started, so I thought I was a bit like, well, I can't just spend 10 minutes sort of sorting it out now. So I did debate whether or not to actually release the episode because it was fucking annoying, but I thought that, you know, it actually turned out all right in spite of that, but we'll sort it out for next time yeah, exactly. one of those live exactly. ones because I think we do want to do more of them. Yeah, I don't know about fun. you guys, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Oh, no, I had a really good time. Yeah, no, it was really good fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like it. It was awesome, especially during the uh, Electro Letters when we got people to share their stories about weird people they've met in, in RPG circles. <laughs> oh that, was a, that was a good fucking laugh. Yeah, that so was I guess good. Talking about a homeless to... guy that came into some guy's game every week and oh, yeah. uh, somebody that wanted to read their entire diary of the beast. The beast. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you couldn't get through that episode, skip, skip a little bit forwards and yeah the bleeps and bloops do stop a little bit but i am sorry about that i did include an apology at the beginning of the episode so you can't do me for it can't do me for it yeah it's all legal shut up yeah all right let's do some news shall we let's if we have to oh yeah news punch hero quest returns what, so I sort back? of do the, the do the headline, and I'm I'm wondering like one day if I'm going to do one so good, you guys are going to be like, wow, what a headline! Die. So well, Hero that, Quest is returning. Good. So for those that don't know, Hero Quest was a board game first made in 1989 by Milton Bradley and Games Workshop, 
which was a board gamey light version of fantasy role playing and was an introduction to the hobby for many. And it of course spawned the classic meme video, Why Hero Quest is So Great, which is one of the best oh, yeah. videos the internet has ever seen. Oh man, it's so good. It is fucking awesome. My favourite part of it is when he goes, um, if you've got multiple copies of Hero Quest, you can play in the gravity realm. And he's got all the boards on like, <laughs> it makes like a cube that he's playing on. Yeah. Fucking awesome. <laughs> But yeah, this game has become a collector's item nowadays, with complete sets often selling for hundreds of pounds. Well, now it's being remade with a Kickstarter campaign for one million dollars. Um, Dr. Evil himself has made the Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> but yeah, the goal has been absolutely fucking smashed and currently sits at $1.6 million and Whoa. it ends on November You're 6th. you fucking kidding me. I'm afraid I'm not. But yeah, I mean, it's far and away smashed any Kickstarter of an RPG probably ever been done. I mean, if Wizards of the Coast did did a Kickstarter, probably reached this this amount. But it just goes to show that a lot of people that don't play RPGs probably play Hero Quest. And yeah, $1.6 million. And that's, while, a big, I, that's a big old Kickstarter, isn't it? I know, yeah. They're doing, they're doing well for themselves. I'll get, I don't know if it's made mm. by Games Workshop, actually. But anyway... Um, I kind of like dislike um, speaking about Kickstarters in the news segment, but I think it's worth pointing out because this new version, it kind of seems to be like a must-own for fantasy RPG players. And the reason is, is because there's two versions of the game, right? The first tier, named Heroic Tier, comes with 71 miniatures. Whoa. Um, it also comes with, the, exactly, the game board, a bunch of cards that you need to play, and all of that. It is 100 US dollars, so about 70 quid, right? Mm-hmm. But that works out at about £1.40 per miniature. So if you only buy it for that reason, um, then you're, you're doing all right. Well, yeah, you know? this is it. I mean, but, you pay a fiver a mini anyway in some some places. You know, yeah. £5 for a mini. Well, exactly. And are they all good, do you know? Well, I know the original minis are bloody good. If you, if that video, you know, why Hero Quest is so great, is uh, is to be believed. You know, when he talks about, when I put this gargoyle on the table, you know it's a gargoyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, excellent. We got to link that. Vi- we got to link that video. Um, yeah, we got. We're gonna use it as a as a jingle <laughs> so this good. episode for fucking definite. But yeah, fucking. Um, if you, you know, I do this a lot with with the D and D board games. I buy them just to pick up the minis. Mm. So I actually might might fucking do this. I think I might. But the game also includes like a couple of new additions, such as tr- traditional character sheets, right? So you can put your name on there and and a little backstory or whatever. And the elf class is now a lady. Oh yeah. So it's not. It's no longer a complete sausage fest. <laughs> okay. Um, <no. laughs> But let me tell you about the other tier of the game. It's 150 US dollars, and it comes with all the above. But it's also got two the two expansion packs, which I'm aware that are really, really actually hard to pick up nowadays for the old version. So if you want those, you can get that also. Ooh. The campaign, having been funded, is set to release in 2021, and that's my main thing that I hate about Kickstarters. You kickstart it, and all the hype dies down, then it finally arrives. But nonetheless, looks like a good thing to fucking buy, hey? Or you yep. forget, or like me, you just forget about it and then have to chase <laughs> months Somebody later. Where's my Kickstarter? <laughs> yeah. What's that? Well, you, you get your email and it's like, no, no, because Nick, Nick, he always forgets to do the um, what do you call Pledge it, the campaign thing. manager thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So it's oh like, yeah, it'll of course be you like, do. Like, what's your address? Yeah, and then, well, it's the same thing with fucking Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Yeah. I had mine, and then Nick was like. I think, why the fuck hasn't mine come? Like, did you fill out... No, no, I didn't. <laughs> did you fill out the address, the, the, the form that tells you where to send it? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that is important. We've got to be yeah. honest. Yeah, you know. It's Savage Worlds, meanwhile, just send it to themselves. 
Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw quite a nice Kickstarter actually, just quickly on while we're on D and D and Hero Quest. Did you see the little um, status metal rings? Go on. Oh yeah, they're like little little round tokens, but they're rings and they can stack. And they're all the status conditions from D and D, and you can stack them on top of the uh, on the map and stuff. They look really nice, and they're metal and all different colours. That sounds fucking cool, man. Quite nice. Yeah, I'll send it to you later. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, give us a link and we'll <laughs> put it in the description. But yeah, I've, I've, I've debated... I've seen like loads of people making those on Etsy, but it's like laser-cut wood. It looks yeah, fucking cheap. Nah. So, But those those are handy, man. And you, mm. you just put them around your mini and it goes on the base, right? That's it, exactly. Fucking love those things, mm. man. I need to get some. I'll send you um, But thing. yeah, new... Uh, the next headline. New mainline Savage World setting announced... <laughs> So Pinnacle, who makes Savage Worlds, has been milking the same settings for years, even going as far as to re-release Deadlands for its new version, Adventure Edition, when it's completely playable with Adventure Edition already. And cheaper, actually. Additionally, their recent new official settings mainly consist of licensed material such as the excellent and lovingly made Flash Gordon RPG by Scott Woodard, alongside the lazy and pathetic The Goon RPG, and... Of course, the setting that nobody asked for, Fear Agent. But now, Pinnacle are releasing a brand new original setting by Tim Early called Holler, which is described as an Appalachian folk horror RPG. Holler! <laughs> that is exactly what I thought. Fucking hell. <laughs> it sort of undermines the sort of horror of the setting. If people were like, Holler! Yeah. It's like... Holler horror. It's a new, new setting from Gwen Stefani... <laughs> but yes so set in a cultural region in the US which spans from the southern New York state to northern Alabama and Georgia the game focuses on the heroes of Holler which consist of miners moonshiners bluegrass musicians and basically anything hillbillyish. and these guys battle cryptids demons and a diseased fog in the Appalachian mountains Ooh. Oh no, it sounds fucking cool, man. It's like very Stephen King. Yeah, almost, yeah it's a, cool. A bit hills out of eyes, yeah. Mm. Um, the cover depicts a red and black image of a man looking onto a mining station holding a skull in his hands. And uh, yeah, it looks fucking awesome. And it's coming out on Halloween night this fucking year. Oh, nice. Surprise release then, because I only announced that a little while ago, didn't I? Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited, as you probably are, Nick, because mm. I know Savage Worlds does do sort of... It does pulp horror really fucking well, and... Yeah, it does. I, I think Savage Worlds has been crying out for a new main setting that's mm. not a fucking licensed product. Yep, this could be interesting, couldn't it? You know what annoys me specifically about the Savage Worlds licensed product? It's all... It, you can tell it's what license could we get for cheap, you know? <laughs> it's not going to be Conan the Barbarian, it's going to be Solomon Kane, the other book that fucking Robert <laughs> E. Howard wrote, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this looks fucking awesome, and uh, I was looking at Tim Early's kind of credentials, as it were, and it, it, uh, I don't know, it was difficult to find out what else he's worked on, but I think he worked on ETU as well, oh, um, nice. which is a great yeah. setting, so I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking that this is going to be fucking good, and it mm. looks like to be my kind of thing. I like this sort of grounded, you know, personal horror type stuff, so I'm hoping it'll be good. Yeah. yeah, I reckon it will be as well. Fingers crossed. Check it, we'll check it out. We will. And uh, Wizards of the Coast to release three classic settings next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get a job as a newsreader anytime soon. <laughs> I like the whippy headline. Yeah, well, that's that's how we do it here. Ooh. I'm trying to break boundaries, you know. Uh -huh. 
Um, but yeah, in an online gaming event, Wizards of the Coast mentioned that three classic settings were to be given the same treatment as the highly praised Eberron remake that came out recently. Which settings? Well, it's not been announced yet, but D&D's executive producer, Ray Winninger, mentioned that next year we'll see a focus on settings for the game, continuing their current trend of doing that, basically. Mm. But recently we saw the release of the Wildermount setting, a critical role brainchild, and Theros, a magical a magical gathering setting. <laughs> Magic the gathering. <laughs> basically, a bunch of wizards met up, they gathered, you know. I was know, about to say, a magical gathering is like a wizard party, isn't it? Well, I mean, if, if Wizards of the Coast aren't actually wizards that, that are on holiday, then I'm going to be fucking disappointed. Yeah, me too. Right? Me too. Me too. Just, they're just sitting there drinking out of a coconut. On a bench, um, right in. <laughs> but, so, considering that their, their <coughs> recent settings are, you know, not ones that anyone really gives a shit about, um, what are the new ones going to be? And it's rumoured that Dark Sun, which is a post-apocalyptic setting where magic is destroying the planet, is a strong contender. Planescape is also rumoured, which is fucking awesome. We played that. Yeah, we did play in it. Um, I had to get those Planescape settings when we played it before from... Mm nefarious websites because they're very hard to get hold of um and lastly greyhawk um i don't know much about greyhawk but let's just say this greyhawk once featured an adventure where a wizard uses portals to send monsters to our earth to use them as special effects in big budget hollywood movies (laughs) and in this same adventure you can meet the cast of star trek in their dressing room and fight them that's pretty cool (laughs) what So, I don't know much about Greyhawk, but it, I, a lot of people say it's really fucking good. I'm just excited. If they re- if they re-release Planescape, I'm in. I'm in. Because I love that setting. It's just it's just bonkers and yeah. fucking weird. And it's it's funny because it's... I, the thing I love about Planescape is that, like, alignment is, like, a known thing. Like, there's a there's a planet of, of neutral people and they <laughs> or, or a plane of existence. And they just hang around. And they're like, do you have an opinion on anything? No, not really. Not and really, I just mate. love that shit. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Yeah. It is fucking good, and I'm hoping that that's what it is. But that, boys and girls, is the news this week. Oh, nice news. Oh, I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. me too. (laughs) And now the weather with Nick Lamley. (laughs) And we've got showers in the west, and... Sorry. (laughs) And it's one of these! Yeah? What you slaying? Weather with Nick. Right, be quiet, okay? Because this isn't a game. All right? Okay, shh. Because we're about to do the ASMR What You've Been Playing segment. (laughs) 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 Fucking hell. So, um, sorry guys, I've got to be honest, I chugged um, two giant things of coffee this morning because I did not sleep very well. So I'm sort of a mix of delirious and caffeined up absolutely buzzing nice that's right yeah. that's right <laughs> and uh, let me tell you boys i put a sprinkling of cocaine in there <laughs> just in case the fbi are listening <laughs> i did not we've been playing our old school essentials um sort of fantasy game and it's been going pretty well so the the plot of this as people may know is the world is ending and the party are tasked with um, finding three magical items uniting the three gods that protect them and hopefully saving the world and it's gone it's gone a bit weird i've got to be honest with you guys my plans have sort of gone <laughs> gone thrown out the window for this one because what happened was is um recently the guys and this was um the episode uh, a couple of episodes back and the guys basically found out that the big bad who was a previous character um had fled to the desert started up a big mordor style lair in the desert 
and um, they launched a full frontal assault using the army which the king had lent them and we did a mass battle um, I'm not going to talk too much about the, the rules for the battle because I want to actually do an episode on my mass battle rules but let's just say oh, it was yes. it was fucking epic James do you want to give us a little run through of what went down Oh, it's a bit too much went down to be honest so uh, as at the beginning obviously we were doing loads of setups and there was basically four main people who were basically in charge of four smaller um, army segments and two, two of us were in in the sky and we proceeded to drop um, barrels of TNT on the front bridge <laughs> and trying to explode the size of the walls so we could but expose and let the ground forces in that's going to sound a bit mental because you mate. just said we were in the sky. Um, in the sky. So to, to <laughs> give a, a little bit of background, in OSE, um, fifth level knights actually get access to flying mounts. And uh, the two characters, Dee Dee and Stanley, so that's James's and my brother's, um, they were they were in charge of the flying squadron. So it's a bunch of fucking knights flying on griffins, unicorns, pterodactyls, <laughs> um, which was yes. mental and fucking awesome. And so I let them sort of plan out five different encounters. And yeah, they dropped TNT on the main door to let their ground forces in. And in the meantime, yeah. they, for those that don't know, in the previous arc of this campaign, the guys built up a zoo full of monsters. And they decided, you know, we own a town now, fuck it. Well, we, what are we going to do? They they sort of got tied ropes to them, tied them to the feet of their flying mounts, dropped not only TNT, but some of the most powerful monsters in the world into the enemy base. <laughs> I just let them go mental. <laughs> Including, Nick, yep. um, a gangster skeleton, which they had captured before. Mm. Dropped him on there. Yes. There was an owlbear. There was a gilun, which is basically a zombie frozen in ice. But because this took place in the desert, it thawed and was biting people's faces off. Oh, my. My God! The whole time these, manic. these guys are fighting in in midair, like huge armies of people, and then fucking well, they see down below, you know, the ground forces sneaking round the side, the owlbear chucking scores of people into the air, the gilan tearing people's faces off. At one point, they got into a fight with one of the big bads, this fucking uh, this dragon riding knight called Lysanderoth. And when they when they knocked him off of his fucking um, dragon and he fell down, Bones Malone, the skeleton, sort of uppercutted him and, and pierced his entire body and went, I fucking love this shit, guys. <laughs> yeah, and then and now the monsters are AWOL. Yeah, and we had, you know, the ground forces going in. They were trying to find the item while the flying knights kind of kept them busy, kept them safe as well. And, yeah, we're um, also getting rid of, um, there was two birthing pools of, of orcs and, what was the other one? Orcs <laughs> and imps. Imps, yeah. So there was two, two birthing pools to, you know, it was just like a big ass, crazy layer that was um, just just farting out all these creatures to try and destroy the world. What was cool? Fuck, their yeah. plan that they used, Nick, which was fucking amazing, was that the uh, I tried to make the base as like comically evil as I possibly could, so we had an, a, a moat <laughs> yeah. of acid around it. And what they did is they <laughs> blew up the walls to redirect redirect the moat into the birthing pools, so that so that it would just acid all of these orc eggs and imp. Oh, nasty. Yeah, it was brutal. fucking amazing. It was fucking amazing. But how it ended was the ground forces kind of came in, and they, uh, if you remember, like cast your mind way, way back to like one of our early games. The guys have figured out to uh, resurrect people. Like I didn't want to have resurrection just be an easy thing, so they needed to get illithid, ick, uh, goblin blood, and hag tears, right? And they really, yep. one of them burst into a building in, in the enemy lair amongst all this fighting and found that they had a factory where they were keeping goblins, you know, 
halfway point between alive and dead and draining their blood and drain and they had loads of Ugh. illithids sort of strapped to benches and they had a hag on the wall that they was constantly hooked up to this machine that would whip her and collect her tears in a bucket make her cry oh that's grim it was pretty fucked it's like up a little, it's like a nasty factory yeah yeah exactly and it was pretty gross and pretty fucked up and then uh, meanwhile the other section of the ground forces went after the item um, and found it but it all ended with I kind of had this thing where okay the guys have done, done five planned encounters throughout the uh, throughout the mass battle and I, I, as the GM, have two interrupts that can fuck their plans up. That's kind of one of the rules I use. Oh, okay. One of which nice. was, you know, the guy on the dragon uh, comes and fights them midway through. They're trying to do another sort of bombing run. And the other was that um, it turns out that Stanley's ex, um, a, a woman called Shaniqua, had joined the enemy army yeah. and interrupted his plans while he was trying to uh, get to the barracks and start killing people. And um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, right in the middle of this big war, she, suddenly this woman comes up talking about how she's never called him. She's taken her weave off, taken her nails off, about to slap the shit out of him. And so this big fight between Stanley and his ex just sort of happened in the middle of the fight. It ended, right? Oh, and, and I'm going to provide no context to begin with. It ended up with her being killed by a flying bathtub. <laughs> Make that... Work that one out yourself, listeners. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah well, basically, the magic <laughs> item they were after was a thing called the Sail of the Luminary. And this thing can basically turn any ship into a spelljammer, meaning it can fly in space and things like this. And so Grant, one of the characters, he sees this fight going on and he's like, fuck, you know what I'm going to do? And he just finds the nearest bathtub in this castle, puts the sail into it and flies it into the fight. Firstly, he miscalculates <laughs> and smashes into James' character, crushing her. And then yeah. uh, and then uh, Stanley, in the middle of the fight, like swings his grappling hook onto the boat while it's floating in midair and just yanks it and it smashes through Shaniqua, killing her instantly. Oh, wow. Yeah, because yeah. it turned out that me and Shaniqua ended up having a bitch fight with each other because... Um, Ooh. Yeah, it was, it was funny, was like, basically, Stanley. yeah, all of the orcs and all of the bad guys just stopped to watch this cat fight happening kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. It was so intense. I mean, just so much happened. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. The whole session was this big war, and it was so much fun, but... Um, yeah, as it turns out, like, I, I've been doing this thing recently where instead of planning the magic items that they get, just to add an extra element of randomness to the game and stuff I can't predict as a GM, we're rolling for magic items from the from the treasure oh, book. Oh, yeah. And yeah. one of the ones they got was the helm of alignment changing. If you dunk it on somebody, they mm. can't get it off unless the curse is removed, and it changes their alignment to a random one instantly. So what happens Forever. is... Yeah, they destroy, they destroy the enemy's base and then catch up with the big bad, this guy called Norman, who's trying to stop them from gathering the items. And uh, Stanley swoops in on his unicorn, dunks it on his head and changes his alignment, and they think he's gone lawful good. Um, yeah, they catch him mm. just outside their town. And then we start the next session, which Nick is back. Yeah. Yes! I, yes, I, don't, I didn't mean to, to make back. you feel uncomfortable last game, Nick, because all of us were so excited. We were so excited to have you <laughs> oh, back. So was I. Don't worry. We, it was sensory overload for yeah, me. Yeah, we all. were just going mental. There was a bit where Nick was trying to figure <laughs> out what spell he wanted to use, and all of us just started yeah, chanting. To it, and we were just going, just going, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so dumb. Sorry, Nick. But um, it was no, great. Not at and all. It was Nick's justification for having his character come back is awesome, because he's playing an illusionist, so he doesn't really have offensive spells. And he's playing a uh, stage magician called Kevlin. 
And um, mm-hmm. what was cool is that his, his his justification was that he'd seen everything that's happened so far and wanted to help, but he accidentally has made himself advi- invisible this whole time. And finally, he's broke the mm-hmm. spell. He's like, oh, God, I saw everything. And he's like, I even saw, you know, you know, I did see that, you know. And everyone's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I just zipped back into existence. Um, and yeah, it's great. He, I think he fitted in quite well. I love the way that you seamlessly did that, though, because it was such a, a brilliant idea. Because it was like, yeah, I, I messed up and I've only just come back, but I've been with you guys. I couldn't touch anything, couldn't move anything, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't hear talk, me, yeah. but I could see everything. And it was just like, wow, yeah. that is so <laughs> smart. Well done. It was Thank good. You. It was good. It's fun. And um, I, I think that you, you did a couple of fucking good moves. I mean, this, this episode was basically all about they caught up with the big bad. He tells them where the uh, where the helmet is not the helmet he tells them where the next magical item is <laughs> that they need to Big save book. the world yeah the book of uh, the manual of the planes it's called and um, what, what was yeah. interesting about this is that they quickly figured out that his alignment hadn't changed to lawful good at all he felt his alignment changing and he went from chaotic evil to neutral evil and I swear to god I rolled randomly for this and I was just like <laughs> interesting so he's still a, he's still a twat he just cares more about himself now um yeah, and he led them down a whole fucking um, like uh, goose chase, um, where he told them that the item was in a place and it wasn't, and it was in an old dungeon that they'd fought before, and since then it it it, it had a few renovations and things like this, and the, this character who was super powerful suddenly appeared to be really weak and allowed himself to get captured. Then right at the last minute, he they get into this uh, the end chamber of the dungeon and are fighting the boss. And he fucking misty steps out of there, closes the door behind them, and leaves oh, them yeah, to fight shit. this guy. So yeah, yeah, we were, we, were, yeah. we were very annoyed. I know. I the, the disappointment on the players' faces was like was palpable. Like they were literally just <laughs> yeah. laying on the fucking table. Because I had him, Crestful I had him strapped onto my back like a backpack with ropes because he's a twat. And I was just like, no, nope, you're not getting away. And then he got away. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing is he did have a spell to sort of phase out of reality, and you guys knew this as well. It's not as if I just pulled that out of my arse. Um, so, no, that's true. So what one of the cool things was is that this dungeon pre- previously was where they fought uh, the frog Hema, the giant frog monster, and killed it. And they uh, actually, several characters, one died and one nearly died, fighting the big bad at the end of this dungeon. It was the Phantom of the Opera. Um, yeah. And the reason they kind of died was because the frog hemoth kind of sapped all their spells, their healing spells, their HPs, and then people people fucking died. But this time, Nick's new character, who's a level five illusionist, he turns up and he just goes, he, he just does a spell on the frog hemoth, stops him from giving a shit, and they just walk around it. That was so <laughs> yeah. good. It was that like was it was so like good. one of my that. big encounters for that session, and then Nick was just like, "There you go, illusion." And I'm like, "Okay, what do you what do you make it see?" And he goes, "Uh." that basically everything's all right and we're not here. And I'm like, fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, it just sits in the water with its little head popping yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. I, uh, the, yeah. the golem was my favourite. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so they um, one of the, bi- one of the ways the even. world is ending, basically, is that all plant matter is, is coming to life. So this dungeon was really old and mossy. So the moss was kind of like like almost like taking parts of the dungeon and becoming alive like it might take the dungeon mm. wall and make a stone golem and they get in there and they're fighting the stage in this theatre and uh, 
it's basically all the wood is coming to life and attacking them. They killed three wood golems, and then the remaining one, Nick spent ages convincing him to join the team. They did magic um, tricks for each other and shit like this. Um, yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> he, so cool. The wood golem, whose name was Jeevis Golem, um, lasted about <laughs> about ten minutes because they got to a trap room, and, and Nick basically used him. Like the wood golem sort of sheltered his As character. Yeah, and brought yeah. him through, yeah. and obviously got chopped to fucking pieces. Um, <laughs> he just died, didn't he? <laughs> On the other side, he just dropped down. I should point out, yeah, because he only had two HP left from after the fight where you guys were fighting him. So it was like, I don't think he's. Oh survived. my god! Yeah. No way! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it yeah. was it was pretty funny. That's and then it. after you know they get locked in the room with the big bad uh, with, with the the bad guy of the dungeon, and Norman the big bad escapes and goes back to their town, and they find that the final god that they need to convince to be on their side is fucking up their town. And he believes that, you know, Pan, the the, the sort of main god of this thing, like, um, who who's the god that rules all gods, basically, is fucking mm-hmm. up their town. Uh, uh, so, yeah, this this air god is fucking up their town. And he says that Pan, you know, doesn't... he 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 He's given everyone the tools to run a good world, and they ran it into the ground. And as a result, he believes that he's doing Pan's will by destroying their town and stopping them from saving the world because it's the punishment they deserve. He challenges them to a one-on-one fight. He says, pick your best guy, and I'll give you the final magic item if you beat me. Um, he, he goes, I'll get, I'm, I've got a sense of fair play. I'll give you an hour to prepare. And Dee Dee, James's character, just jumps in. No preparation, and yep. they're going to fight each other. Meanwhile... Um, yeah, because the- he was like, you know, you can't cheat. And I was like, well... We, we can't cheat, we just fight then instead. We're having it then. Well, what I kind of yeah. meant, uh, well, what he kind of meant was that you can't, uh, no interfering from other people. Um, but you could have, <laughs> you know, prepared some dynamite, you know, or something to stick up his ass. But yeah. So we kind of left the session, their town completely fucked over and destroyed this. Um, Dee Dee's about to fight a wind god. And fucking um, all the rest of the characters are about to fight Norman, the other big bad. So, and, and that's sort of yeah. where we're at, which is. Um, a crazy cliffhanger to end it on. But... It's scary. It's bloody scary. Well, I feel like, Nick, yeah. Nick, you've come back at a good time because although mm. there, there's certain little things like that are, are, are wrapping up, where the campaign goes next, I have no fucking idea. Cause, Perfect. Yeah. You know, Didi, you've got into a fight with with a god completely unprepared and the other guys are fighting yeah. one of the most powerful people and uh, person in the world without uh, without much prep as well. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And also, I scared him a little bit though with my Grim Reaper glamour. Oh yeah, this oh, was yeah. an amazing move. As soon as Nick saw Norman, the big bad, he he kind of rushed in, um, used his glamour spell, um, rolled intelligence to see what he, if he knows what Norman's kind of biggest fear is, and it was dying alone. And so Nick turned into the Grim Reaper, you know, used the glamour spell, and was like, "It is your time, Norman." And he was like utterly terrified. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a good use of it, man. <laughs> Thanks, mate. It's really, really fun because obviously he's got no kind of... um, He's not tough at all. He's got no really offensive um, kind of move. So he's just got a little dagger. But he's got a bunch of really cool illusionist spells, which I've been really enjoying because it's something different. So, yeah. Put it this way. I mean, you turned the tide of a really big fight. And and, um, also, I said, because he used the death, you know, glamour thing, I said that they can can Mm -hmm. basically have... They win initiative when the fight starts because, because, you know, he's terrified. So yeah. yeah, and another cool thing about um, you know the big if if we bloody well survive and save the world, then the kingdom is ours. Yeah, uh, the king basically said he's going to hand it over because he, they've done more for the kingdom in the last like two weeks than he has in the last ten years. So 
<laughs> but it's a big if at this Fair point. I, I don't know, mate. I don't mm. know how it's going to go next session. It could be... It, 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 fucking hell, I'm terrified. But TPK. Yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, fucking well done, guys. I think you did a good job. And Nick, it's fucking great to have you back, man. Oh, thanks, mate. It's good to be back. All right, well, let's get on to the main subject. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. Subject. Sir Barrington, the story of a play ca- player character in a D&D 3.5 game who played as a bear and became so respected he became the highest of nobility. It's a story often shared amongst <laughs> new RPG players and also amongst people who tout this story as being the prime example of what makes D&D so great. But exactly how true is the story? Is it simply an amusing story spread amongst internet forum users for the sake of the lols? Well, today we're going to be examining this internet legend and finding out once and for all if it's actually true. So for the sake of people who aren't familiar with the story of Sir Barrington, I'll first recap the original post. Or the post people are familiar with, I should put it. The tale of Mr. Barrington first came to people's attention on 4chan, posted by an anonymous user in late September 2011. And it goes like this. Make a bear character in D&D 3.5. DM laughs. Make Bear a rogue and put every point I can into disguise. Prestige class as a spy to get more disguise. DM says I can't speak English. Max out bluff. By growling, gesturing, I can fake speaking a language I don't speak. English. Use money to hire a butler NPC. Give him magical item to speak Bear. Growl. An excellent suggestion, Mr. Barrington. We really should ask the group to investigate the Black Marsh. Over the course of the game, be knighted as Sir Barrington. Queen holds a dinner in my honour. A guest becomes the first man to ever make a perception check that can beat my disguise, and he shouts out loud, Hey, that guy's not a guy, it's just a bear! Man is escorted out of the castle, while the guards apologise profusely for the indignity. We're so sorry, Sir Barrington. Very sorry for this man's behaviour. Raw shrug. (laughs) Excellent. That's so good. Raw. (laughs) I'm sure it was a bit more charismatic than raw. (laughs) Now, this story, guys, was widely circulated and reposted in a number of places in an image format and became the stuff of legend. But in 2014, a Reddit user by the name of Zagorath posted an image to the green text board on Reddit, which contained a considerably less circulated and less popular post from 2010. And this post was reported to claim the true story of Sir Barrington, which sounds like a great Netflix documentary. (laughs) Yeah, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) And while it was posted a year before the 4chan version, this story wasn't nearly as widely circulated, but it was written in a more traditional fashion and was supposedly the original version of the story. Posted by user Dr. Guns for Hands on the RPG (laughs) forums, which is also a great character, by the way. If anybody needs a character idea... Yep, there you go. Dr. Guns for Hands. Anyway, yeah, he posted this on the Giant in the Playground forums, which is an RPG website. Um, This version contains some details that will help us examine the legend in more detail, and it goes like this. So, Guns for Hands had been playing this D&D 3.5 game for some time, and the party were all fairly high level. The druid of their team, Onar, took the leadership feat and earned the respect of his peers in a religious sect called the Gatekeepers. The druid then awakened an animal companion and took him along with the group. 
Onar then decided to give all of his levels in Rogue to the Bear Companion, meaning that the Bear started at a higher level. In addition to this, the Druid spent every penny he had getting magic items for his animal cohort, most of which boosted his disguise skill. During a time skip, which I assume is basically a long period of downtime, Meat Fists, the awakened bear, resurfaced <laughs> as Mr. Barrington and wore lavish human clothing, complete with a monocle. <laughs> now, this is a great image, and I love it. Yeah. And if this is true, if it is true, this is a good game, and I want to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, after you know he started wearing a suit and, and clothing and resurfaced as Mr. Barrington, he went on to become a respected figure in the art world, the field of medicine, and a known connoisseur of gourmet food. What? <laughs> and he was subsequently invited to all the biggest parties in the region. Guns for Hands then describes the few occasion um, when he says Mr. Barrington's impossible disguise level, which is what he calls it, failed. The rest is largely similar to the more widespread version of the story, someone pointing out that Barrington is a bear, and someone getting reprimanded and taken out of the party, etc, etc. So it's already easy to see where the original story ends and the Chinese whispers begin. There are huge differences between the 4chan one and the supposedly the, the real story behind, behind the bear, you know? Yeah. I've visited the original forum post and confirmed that it was posted before the 4chan version, so we can consider this one to be the real or original telling of the story anyway. And I mean, really, you know, if you guys kind of think about it, you know, and take a look at the 4chan version, it kind of falls apart quite quickly for several reasons, including the low ceiling of a character's starting slash, you know, bluff slash disguise skill. You know, because mm. if this was D&D 3.5, you know, you guys have played Pathfinder. What's yep. the highest fucking disguise skill you're really going to start with? It's like a plus three, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this guy's telling me that the, the, uh, nobody ever succeeded on seeing that he was a bear until he was, you know, fucking seventh level and was at all the Queen's dues, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, seems like quite a bit of bollocks to me. But then, also, <laughs> the money yeah. needed to outfit your butler with a magic ring at starting level, even just one, right, is ridiculous. And of yeah. course, the obvious falsehood that the bear was only discovered, you know, when when he was fucking fifth level. So it's all a bit of bollocks, right? But in any case, you can tell that that wasn't the original idea because it was posted afterwards and has a lot of a lot of bullshit in it. Yeah. In any case, this version is, you know, not the original. So we'll be examining the 2010 version by Doctor Guns for Hands, the most dangerous doctor known to man in the world <laughs> yeah yeah imagine he's trying to operate on you and, and he's making it far worse oh my god <laughs> just gun just gunshots going off scalpel okay, he's just yeah he's, he's like okay look we've got a uh, we've got a routine um, kidney stone operation going on. oh fuck Bang. shit oh no <laughs> fuck can someone can someone get in here he's got four shot gunshot wounds don't know where they came from don't know where they came from um, every, every everyone we don't know where they came from okay um, somebody uh, get somebody get Get me a, a pair of tweezers. I need to get a few bullets out of this oh body. Some, like, you some over reason. there. Oh, shit. Can, they're can dead. someone send Dr. Scalpel for fingers? You, pass me a scalpel. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, no one's here anymore. Just me and myself. So, hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Everyone> surrounded <laughs> by dead people, dead assistants. And then on the death certificate, it says reason for death, old age. <laughs> <laughs> so the druid, Onar, in the original story, awakened his animal companion after taking the leadership feat, a feat which is required to take the further feat, Wild Cohort. 
And it sounds like I'm talking a load of rubbish because we're getting into deep, you know, D&D rules here. But Guns for Hands felt it important to mention the leadership feat, which to me says that he has half remembered the build the druid went for, as the druid likely took the leadership feat so he could take the wild cohort feat. But what does that ability do? Well, the basic description is thus. You have a special bond with a wild animal and it's willing to travel and adventure with you. And further to this, you gain a plus two to animal handling checks when you order your animal around. But the important thing is that you can choose from the extended list of animal companions. So instead of dogs, hawks or beavers, you can gain uh, an ape, a giant weasel or a brown bear. So... Yes. Without taking this feat, he wouldn't have been able to get a bear. So that's important, right? To do this, the druid would have had to have been 7th level at least because you have to be level 7 to get a bear, right? So we can kind of see that he probably did take the bear, all right? But here's how, where it gets complicated. We need to examine the druid's animal companion ability and how it works. So we can assume that the druid had their starting animal and the additional one brought on by the wild cohort skill. But the animals um, that you get from this skill aren't special in any other way. They don't wear monocles. They don't put suits on. They don't become respected in the field of medicine. And art. Exactly. They gain the stats typical for their type at first level. And as the druid gains level, they gain more HP, natural armor, and bonuses to strength and dexterity. Nowhere does it mention giving previously acquired levels in rogue to your companion. Um... So, I know what you're thinking. This must be some obscure rule in maybe a druid's handbook or some weird fucking splat book that came out for it. And, I mean, Guns for Hands talks about this this thing, you know, giving levels of rogue to a bear as if it's a normal thing. <laughs> Which, yeah. let me tell you, I've tried it IRL and it doesn't fucking work, all right? They don't like it. The only thing when you, <laughs> that you get when you try to give a bear, uh, a bear rogue levels is maimed. That's what you get, all right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, while uh, I actually found a 3.5 edition book called Masters of the Wild, right, which contains new class options for barbarians, druids, and rangers. And while the book has a lot of interesting new rules, including rules for teaching tricks to your animal. Oh, that's you know, cool. That's, mm-hmm. It's like, you know, for circus bears, you know, but teaching mm-hmm. tricks. I mean, let's be honest, it could include art criticism. <laughs> well, this is it. <laughs> Imagine going to a circus, right, and, and it's like. You know, usually it's a bear balancing on a ball, balancing a kettle on its head or something. And in this case, it's like, you just see the bear come out and he's like, and now for our final trick, he's going to analyse this painting. The bear comes out and goes, hmm. Just mm. holding his chin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then just uh, just roars into the air. Rah! And everyone's like, wow. Wow, how did he see that? He, so, the, 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 yeah, and it's like his then his review's printed in The Guardian, you know, it's just a bunch of roars. <laughs> But it, it can, this book, right, basically, it contains a whole chapter fleshing out the animal companion rules, but nothing about giving a bear your abilities. But in that book, I did find something. Remember the story said something about the druid awakening his animal? Mm-hmm. Well, this led me to go back to the main book, and there's a spell called Awaken, a fifth-level spell available to druids, and is actually elaborated on in the Masters of the Wild book. Let me read this section for you. Awakened Animals. Awaken is a fifth level spell available to druids because it grants human-like sentience and intelligence to an animal. The creature's type changes to magical beast and the spell greatly changes the relationship between the druid and animal companion. Armed with intelligence and the ability to speak at least one language, the animal no longer needs training to understand the druid's wishes. So we're getting somewhere. 
maybe there is some truth to I the say. meme after all. Yeah, I hope so. But this spell also means that your animal companion has its own desires and opinions, and now with its increased intelligence, the animal will only continue to bond with you if you treat it with respect. <laughs> so it's now just an adventuring companion. The spell, mm-hmm. base as well, I think it's worth noting, just for funsies, that the spell can also be used on trees. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's cool. So if there's a tree, you know, that you really like, like a really cool tree, really nice you tree. know, and you want it to come along with you. I don't know if it now walks on its roots and comes <laughs> with you, but I hope so. I hope so. Has an opinion. <laughs> like maybe the druid brings his favourite houseplant along with him on adventures now, and the houseplant's demanding, you know, all sorts of uh, all sorts of respect Is and there, dental like, care and like, all of this. Give me this! And the druid's like, meanwhile, he's facepalming. I regret this. I didn't realise he'd have such an annoying voice. (laughs) Give me some water, you fucking prick. It's been hours. I've been stuck in this bag of holding for ages. Put me in the sun. Get me out of this fucking pot. (laughs) I've got rights, damn it. The best thing about HeroQuest is this tiny furniture. It is unequaled in all the realms. Anyone who owns this furniture but doesn't use it every chance they get, even in unrelated games, is a fool. But here's the interesting part, guys. While it's completely implausible that a bear could penetrate high society with an intelligence of two and a charisma of six, once awakened, the animal re-rolls wisdom, charisma, and intelligence in the same manner that player characters do. So yes, mm. it's possible that a bear could suddenly become absurdly charismatic, I think, intelligent, and wise. I think we've just found a system that Nick wants to play. <laughs> yeah. I need to awaken a yeah, bear. Yeah, th- this is like Nick's type of thing yeah. all over. I mean, yeah. you love animals, you love plants, mm-hmm. and now they're demanding respect. You know, <laughs> you know they want me. <laughs> and what I like though is that, that you could roll, and the plant is smarter than you are. Oh man, that'd be a funny duo, wouldn't it? <laughs> Suddenly, you're giving it orders in battle, and he's like, "Well, actually, if you look at the trajectory, I don't think the arrow is going to hit at all." And I'm, yeah. Uh, yep, we calculate for wind every time. Jesus Christ, man, do I have to tell you everything? You're an idiot, Richard. You're an idiot. You're a fool. <laughs> Why did you awaken a house plant anyway? Why not a hundred-year-old oak? So, it, it, we now know that it is possible that a bear could suddenly become so charismatic that it could fool someone into thinking that they're just an exceptionally hairy and fat human yep. with claws. Mm-hmm. But awakened animals are no longer counted as an animal companion, more like an adventuring buddy who demands the same respect as anyone else on the team. So we can assume then that once awakened, Mr. Barrington became an NPC, which is the the rules and how it's supposed to work. But then this still leaves the issue of giving levels to the beast, giving rogue levels. And this renders the possibility of it having a disguise skill absolutely zilcho. It's Mm. literally not possible within the rules because upon awakening, the animals don't gain special powers or abilities beyond the ability and score improvements they actually get. And we know that it couldn't therefore have any levels in rogue, whether learned or given. Additionally, if we look at the later parts of Guns for Hands' story, we see that Mr. Barrington was regarded as a high-society gentleman with a thick accent that people were mostly unable to understand, and the story claims that he only spoke in growls. But why is this? The druid was able to grant one language to the beast. Now, this is an assumption, guys. I don't know what you would do, but I'd imagine that most people would probably give their bear common. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Because you'd want them to be able to speak to the rest of the team, right? I mean... (laughs) It's also possible that the druid Onar gave his companion, you know, Elven or some other language, so only he could speak to it. But that part is impossible to know. But I would, I would, I would 
hazard a guess that any D&D player worth his weight in salt would give it fucking common. Yeah, you know it. Because <laughs> if, if you go down in the fight and then your players are trying to tell him what to do and suddenly he's like, oh, like a bit of a I can't This was a bad decision. Yeah. I'm dying. Why didn't I let it anyway, come <laughs> It strikes me as like a little bit silly, right? Um, that the team wanted this bear to infiltrate high society and yet didn't give him common. So I'm not sure if I believe that part of the story that he only t- talked in grunts and growls. Mm. So the story really hinges on a number of misinformations. Firstly, it's highly likely that Barrington would have actually been able to speak in the courtly functions, and it's also highly unlikely that he would have to be that he would have been able to disguise himself. Okay, somebody else could have done it. But they both stories say that he he disguised himself and that it was his skill that did it, and so it's highly unlikely that nobody would have noticed. Because let me tell you, if a bear's trying to put a suit on, right, with, with bear in mind no disguisability, that suit isn't going to look particularly great. <laughs> Pe- bears lack the opposable thumbs to do up the little buttons. It will be torn to fucking shreds. <laughs> all the back would be torn open, all hair hanging out. That's what I was thinking as well. Yeah, <laughs> the pair of trousers—they're basically a joke. They're even there. They're just—they're they're just, just like a flap hanging by a belt off of him. Yeah. <laughs> Monocle, like he basically probably wouldn't have been able to disguise himself, and and so people would have noticed. I do think though that if this did really happen, NPCs did notice, and instead chose to say nothing because who's going to start, you know, giving the mouth to a bear? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes, shit suit, mate. <laughs> what? Yeah, so so I think what really happened was that people did see and didn't say anything because he's a bear. And, mm. you know, the, the unlikely story of nobody noticing could have been a simple fudge for the sake of a joke or a funny situation or a mm. social commentary by the GM. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like in high society, as long as you're part of it, people will let you get away with murder. Even being a bear, the biggest crime known to man, you know, yep. and get away with it. Get away with that there, yep. But the final thing we need to talk about is the money the druid player spent on magic items, right? Both stories all go on about, like, oh, he spent every penny he owned on magical items. And it's pretty atypical of most D&D campaigns for general stores to carry magic items. Because if this bloke has got all these powerful magic items sitting behind his counter, why is he still running a general store? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah those true. items, those items are his fucking retirement. Either that, or he's he's gone off and started enacting the things he always wanted to do, going mental in a supermarket with a wand. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's unlikely that they would have just went out and bought them. So maybe he bought them from various guilds, auctions, individual sellers. However, what this makes me think is that this part of the story is completely made up. Um, and it, the author mentions the player buying various items, right? Which is a bit weird because a single item could do the trick, and it's a well-known item in the D and D universe: the hat of disguise. Mm. This hat would allow the bear to look completely different, therefore negating the need for disguises, suits, all of that shit. So he wouldn't have even looked like a bear if the players had done the tiniest bit of research and and got the one item that you need, not loads of fucking rings and bling and all of this shit. <laughs> yeah, just a special hat. All right. There you go. A bear in a hat. And the cool thing is about that particular hat is the spell would last until the bear wanted to to stop. So it's it's kind of it kind of throws a little bit of uh, a little bit of mistrust into the story when you realise that he mentions various items, you know, or like having an exorbitant amount of money with which to buy them, mm. and all of these mm-hmm. things. And when you consider that he only really needed about twenty k of gold to buy this one item, so. 
but we've examined yeah. the story, boys, all right? Mm. And it's funny, it is, um, but what's the truth behind it? Well, we know that if the rules were followed, it couldn't have happened the way it did. We know that the 4chan version is nigh on impossible and likely a false retelling of the original. And it's probably the case that Guns for Hands either half remembered the story or simply embellished it for the sake of a thread about funny D&D stories. I mean, the third possibility is that all of this is true, of course, and could have been played amongst a group where the rules were so house ruled they were basically, you know, not even there, you know? Yeah, unrecognisable. <laughs> yeah, he's like, the DM's like, look, anything with a bear that's funny, it fucking happens. No role yeah. required. It's in there, is, there, yeah. is there a chance that he <laughs> yeah. um, became a player character? You know, it is possible. It is possible. But the thing is, it's not mentioned in the story. I mean, the the thing is, once you awaken it, it becomes... There's any other way it could, it could actually happen, isn't it? Yeah, and we, but when the bear becomes awakened, you know, it becomes a PC. So it's highly likely that maybe someone else joined the game and started being the bear or the druid decided to retire his character and be the bear. It's, it's entirely possible. But you think that might have got mentioned? Because that, I think, would have made the story funnier. That There's the druid. Yeah. He's, put, he's put all this effort into the character and then gone, fuck that. All right, I'm a bear now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but shit's going to get weird from now on, all right? Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> but hang on, Mr. Barrington. You can speak English. Fuck you. Rawr. <laughs> okay. But still, <laughs> you know, actually, guys, I think that examining this story... Actually, for me, I just kind of wanted to do, you know, a new thing and investigate an urban legend, an internet urban legend, if such a thing can be called that. And I think whilst examining it, I kind of wanted to see the validity of it because there were a few little fucking things that always... In, like got into my mind about this and 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 kind of I was I was thinking about it, I was like did that really fucking happen or is this one of those bullshit things that people tell when they're telling you they're great game stories mm. but I think it actually points out something really interesting about about this cuz everyone everyone accepted this story as fact or at least most people did everyone assumed it to be true everyone from the members of the giant in the playground forums to the masses of people spreading it to extol the virtues of D&D as a source for comedy but why did nobody notice the discrepancies? And I think here's the answer. It's that nobody knew the rules. I had to go deep to figure out whether this was true or not. And I still find it confusing. And I still don't know. It's like a single fifth level druid spell and a purpose built druid along with an obscure, obscure embellishment in a splat book likely not owned by most people to play the game mean that this story is really difficult to unpick. And this examination serves to point out one thing. D&D from 3.5 onward is so bloated that even die-hard fans of the game are unable to tell when a rule is made up, false, or half-remembered. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I just think it's interesting for that yeah, reason. I did I did reach out to Guns for Hands for an, an interview, and he, he hasn't responded. Oh, man. And I think it's probably probably partially because he posted this 10 years ago and doesn't remember it so i don't know we've got to hunt him down but what do you guys think nick what's your what's your opinion fact or fiction <laughs> um i'll take i'll take a bit of both I, I i'd like to think that the the story is grounded in truth something happened with a bear that was funny um whether it went to this extent or not or whether it got you know jazzed up a bit for comedic effect um probably that but yeah i definitely think there's some there's there's, there's a base of fact someone definitely messed about with a bear and had the whole table cracking up at some point and it became one of them stories that just kind of gets told and told yeah because you know the um some of the rules he mentions are legit you know mm-hmm. and i i think you're right and i think a lot of people even in their normal lives you know tell stories and they'll put a little bit 
put a little spin in there just to make it more interesting. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it would be a really fucking boring What's story. What's that saying? Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And I think I think that's what it is. But James, how about you? What do you make of it? Yeah, you know, I think it's. I think they just forgot to mention that um, the bear became a player character. Because mm. if they became a player character, then it uh, seems way more plausible. Because although it's not specifically in the rules. You know, if you house rule it, fine, mm. yeah, you can be that character. Then that means that they will have the ability to gain levels and all that extra stuff to actually make that's it work. A, that's actually a really good point, because what they might have done, he, he's probably misremembering, saying he gave his levels of rogue to a bear. When what really happens, he might have said, uh, might, somebody might have said, okay, I want to be the bear from now on. And then suddenly somebody... And he gave up his character. Yeah, yeah. And mm. he takes the stats for the bear and then the GM's like, what class do you want to be? And he goes, well, rogue, obviously. Yeah, so that could have been what happened. Yeah. And he started, you know, at level yeah. five, a couple of levels below the players, the other players, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think... So definitely a little seed is now implanted into uh, Nick's head. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Right, yeah. I know exactly how to go oh. ahead and, and make this happen for me. I just keep picturing the bloody Winnie the Pooh meme, you know, when it's got the top hat, suit, and monocle on. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, totally. all, that's all I keep seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Nick, if if you wanna if you wanna multi class as a druid to get this in OSE, you're more than welcome. Thank you, mate. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna look into it. <laughs> but the trouble is, you know, if James, James's character, is, I'm definitely gonna look into it. James's character is now involved in a fight. James, if you die and you wanna be Nick's new bear character, hello, we can make this story a reality. <laughs> yeah, let's make it happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, bit of a weird main subject for you guys today, but I kind of no, I loved it. That's yeah, fun. I thought it'd be a bit, a bit, a bit fun just to analyse like an old interview yeah. story and see if it's actually true. And send us and any you know more. What? I agree with you, Nick, partially that I think there's a lot of truth sprinkled into a lot of lies, and I also agree yeah. with James that I think you've come up with a scenario that I think is very likely, very likely. Mm. Um, but listeners, let me know what you think, um, and, and tell me, tell me uh, whether or not you think it's true and 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 whatnot, and we'll talk about it in feedback next time. Oh yeah. But let's get into some yeah, electro yes. letters, shall we? Because we, uh, yeah, we've we fucking we, we've got some. <laughs> good, good. So, so yeah. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. So um, uh, originally, this uh, this episode was going to be about mass battles, and we we're going to be talking about some epic shit, you know. So we asked people just to tell those epic stories about, you know, their campaigns that they've always wanted to tell, but the right, you know, subject hasn't come up. You know, and we've got ones from Facebook, Reddit, and we've got some general questions as well. So we'll go through your your epic tales from your campaigns. Mm. So the first one comes in from Timothy Peer. He says, I once played a goblin lawyer. And that's where the story should end. <laughs> yeah, it should. <laughs> and he says, it was in a homebrew game of 5e a few years ago. Oh, right. So the goblin lawyer isn't a, a, a real class in 5e, is it? Oh. <laughs> but yeah. He says, he was the heir to a trading company and had made enemies with another trading company backed by the Elf Nation. <laughs> He always found ways to place explosives in their ships, kill their officials, and generally make life hell for the pointy-eared bastards who dared attempt to make profit on his turf. He pushed his luck one too many times, and on the day of his wedding, assassins struck. They attempted to kill him, his wedding party, and everyone in the temple. After a grueling duel with the assassin's grandmaster, he caught him in a double cloud of knives spell. Just as the grandmaster bled out, he stole the man's shadow and soul and ate it, making a pact with the devil. 
That's a fucking good wedding, wow. if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if your wedding had got packed I wonder if the, like, the wedding guests were just applauding, thinking it was like some sort of stunt Part for his wedding. Show, like, people yeah. are dying all around him. They're like, hey! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> all these drunk wedding guests just like, fuck, you yeah, know, special right effects not. on that one. Her head looks like it really came off. <laughs> That's cool, man. I, I mean, we need we need a goblin wedding in our game. And a lawyer. I'm going to just force it in. Next next, next week's game, we're not playing the game. We're just doing a goblin lawyer wedding. That's fine. I remember once we played a Wise Guys game where there was a wedding where a, where a, a oh rival gang attacked God. us. And my character was drunk of his fucking face <laughs> as soon as the battle Two started. Two bottles of wine. <laughs> yeah. Walking around the dance floor. The next one comes in from Victor Ulansky. He says, it was at the end of my Vampire the Masquerade campaign. I don't remember much, but... There were two powerful vampires in Zulu form, basically swole-winged gorillas, fighting atop a burning skyscraper. It was mostly improvised, and apparently I subconsciously channeled King Kong mixed with a bit of 9-11. <laughs> yes. Wow. I mean, that that's a good fucking ending to a vampire campaign. It's all this intrigue, you know, sitting around talking, like wondering who's stabbing who in the back, and mm-hmm. suddenly two gorillas are fighting on top of the Empire State. There you go. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. That's Plot twist. It always, it always reminds me of like, you know, like um, Quentin Tarantino films, even the ones that are very dialogue heavy always end with everyone shooting each other in a room. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because he's like, how do you, how do you end yeah. a film? We need an epic moment here. Right, everyone gets the gun out. Done. All right, All right send it. <laughs> Robert Woford, he says, playing 5e D&D Ravenloft and we were tossing crates containing vampires out of a, stec- a second story window during the day. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, that's a rude awakening. You wake up. Oh, who? It's, this is way too early. Oh, no, the sun. Oh, oh shit. shit. They just melt. <laughs> As the first crate hit and broke open, exposing the vampire to sunlight, the next crate was already getting pushed out of the window. I think we actually had to attack the third one because we ran out of crates to drop on them. So, okay, fair enough. The look on the GM's face was priceless. He says, you're attacking the first vampire with a second vampire. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's lovely. That's beautiful. <laughs> brings a tear to the old yeah, eye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. You wake up, right? It's fucking annoying because you've been shoved out a window. Sunlight's burning you. What's coming towards you? Another vampire in a box. <laughs> That's all you need. That was one of the things I really liked about, uh, about fucking the Dracula novels was when... Uh, I know this is semi-related, but... Dracula novel, should I say, mm. was when uh, Dracula sort of shipped himself around the globe in crates, just like sort of getting in a crate. <laughs> in boats, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, on a boat and getting UPS to just send it, send himself to other countries. Because, you know, what is a crate but a coffin that you keep, you know, packing peanuts in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got a couple from Reddit as well. Um, Mr. Waffle 3113, he says, running from a gelatinous monster. It sucked me in and I rolled to escape but lost my weapon. Very little HP left, but I wasn't leaving my weapon behind. So I jumped in, grabbed my weapon, uh, and rolled a nat 20 to escape again with one HP left and bounced. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Drops Mike. Well, actually, funny enough, I, I, when he said bounced, it sort of, um, like, remind me of the, you know, the deal with it meme. I imagine him sort of swaggering out there, like, nearly horizontally, <laughs> so yeah. lean back, you know what I mean? He's like, see you later, <laughs> yeah. bitch, peace out, I'm bouncing. With a, holding his weapon with one HP, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I hope it was a good weapon. He's like, I've got to go in there to get my generic <laughs> longsword. <laughs> I need that dagger. If he went, if he jumped back in, just trying to get a fucking sword, then he's a fucking idiot. But if it was a good one, you know, like a gun or or a, a cut, uh, oh, yes. Mr. Waffle, grenade. He's all right. You know, Mr. Waffle, man, he's 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 good. He's good. He's, he's a good guy. guy. Next one comes in from Kangalooney. He says, <laughs> "I was GM." 
barbarian character in a berserk rage second edition climbed into the eye socket of a flying dragon and after getting his arms stuck chewed his way into the dragon's brain killing it in the process <laughs> that's what? probably the most barbarian so- move i've ever heard of that is it, it, it literally you can't top it it's so that that's so barbarian which is going to be my new catchphrase that's so barbarian Ooh, that's so barbarian that's so barbarian. Um, barbarian didn't survive the fall, but did provide wonderfully inglorious ending to a dragon I deliberately made as nasty, spiteful, and condescending as possible. <laughs> so the dragon's like, "You, fuck your mother," and then Bunch the barbarian's like, "Right, right, I'm not having that. I'm chewing your brain out." <laughs> I imagine the dragon as well, like while he's having his brain chewed, was sort of having loads of like you know semantic issues and and seeing things, you know, because his brain's getting all fucked up. So he's like, "He's <laughs> trying to fly." Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is a good fucking move. This that... is why this is why th- your game needs a barbarian. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Yeah. We got a couple of ones all about Shadowrun as well. Ooh. Ed Drack, he says, We were playing Shadowrun. Our team was a magic-heavy mages adept and a technomancer. Our mission was ret- to retrieve a blood sample from a museum slash zoo. Which one is it, mate? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, from a museum slash zoo opening so- showcase ver- showcasing various paracritters modified magically mutated creatures basically our day job was as a punk band called missile party a misread of the adept power missile parry the group found funny we do the legwork stake out the venue start the infiltration and shit goes wrong so to create a distraction and take some heat off the character doing the infiltration we decided to order a stupid amount of pizzas and crash the grand opening by making an impromptu performance our muscle and an adept troll bursts in with a leg don't know what that means. Hollering party! <laughs> and he was forever declared the party troll. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> this is one of the things I fucking love about Shadowrun is that people plan and plan and plan and it's when shit goes wrong. Um, you know, you're playing this serious gritty game about the night streets of Boston and then suddenly like you know shit goes wrong and a pole, uh, a troll comes in with a stack full of pizzas yelling party. It's <laughs> party, like, yeah. If, you can try to be as serious as you want, but when shit goes south, people are going to turn into fucking idiots. Yeah. I mean, we we had it in our Shadowrun game where somebody, uh, you know, they were they were subtly trying to rob people in a restaurant. And as soon as somebody noticed, the guy jumped on a table and started electrocuting people with his, you know, electric powers. And he was just like, <laughs> "Give me the fucking money!" And was just going mental. It's like, wow, cool uh, subtle infiltration game we got going here. Smoothly does it. Smoothly does exactly. And then you know the fucking SWAT teams got called. They got fucking tanks out. You know. It's Shit all goes going, starts going wrong, and you know what? Pizza cures everything, right? If he'd have just got on the table and said pizza, maybe things would have gone better. Yeah. The next one comes in from two four five two zero LS, probably a throwaway account. Yep. Um, He says, "Let me tell you all a tale of Shadowrun. I had a street Sammy, he means samurai, who I called Noodle, racist. Noodle was a normal-looking twenty-two-year-old elf with green hair, of course. She had a cyberware and bio weight, and I think he means bioware, but it was all wireless and hidden. She was a total hedonist and used many drugs. So we break into a mansion, hack a deactivated security, and we're getting the stuff we were hired for. We're playing pink mohawk." What the fuck does this mean? So, we're playing Pink Mohawk, so it's going weirdly smooth. Noodle, Noodle notices that they have weird made slash sex robots. 
Only before she gets there, we learn something. The dude is a hacker and has turned security back on. So Noodle rounds a corner when the maid bot pulls an Uzi from her mini skirt and open fires. So Noodle is alone fighting this thing. She says, fuck it, I want my damn robot. She charges it, dodging bullets, cuts its arms off. She then grabs the robots and the arms and bolts to the van. The other two groups of us made it to the van first. And they didn't know why Noodle left. The enemy hacker was controlling a car with a minigun and robots there to fight. So they had no context for Noodle running out carrying a sex robot in one hand, mono sword in the other, and sprinting for the van. She managed mm-hmm. to get in, and we bolted. We had the hacker fix it, and now she has a cleaning robot. <laughs> Whoa. The I like fuck? the fact that, you know, they were like, well, the mission's going badly. Right, I'm taking the first thing I fucking see. Not I'm a mean vase, not, you know, expensive jewellery, but the cleaning robot. Yep, that's mine. There's a sex robot yep. repurposed as a cleaning robot. Well, Checking he did it. say in the story that it was a cleaning slash sex robot, which is ah. fair because you know in a lot of sci-fi stuff it's like cleans up after themselves. Well, exactly, and you got in so many sci-fi things you got sexeroids and sex robots, but it's like why just have them do that one thing if they got all these limbs and stuff? Get them doing a bit of the washing up too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Get the most out of your sex robots, people. If there's one bit of advice we want you to come away with from this podcast, is that right, yeah. guys? Oh, yeah, right, guys? reprogram them. Come on. And, and today's go. sponsor, coincidentally, is um, the new NordVPN sex robot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> NordVPN. <laughs> We've got some uh, general questions in as well. Thank you very much for your submissions regarding your epic stories. Mm. Very fucking cool. I think the email of the week has to go to the barbarian, you know, eating a brain from within. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Through the ice socket uh, of a dragon. Yeah, definitely. John Williams, he asks, if you had a minor superpower or magical power to make playing RPGs easier, what would you want that to be? Example, the ability to flick a finger to make the exact dice you need to roll at that moment appear out of nowhere and roll themselves, or character sheets that fill themselves out and update automatically. Um, right, Nick, what about you? You've got one superpower that you can use, but it has to be for gaming. And it's got to be minor. Um, I would like to be able to have the ability to um, display an image in front of everybody from whatever my mind can conceive. So like, when, rather than explain something, I can just make an image appear as I'm talking about it so everyone can see. You'd certainly get a lot more done, wouldn't you? Because yeah. like, instead of describing each room, you'd just be like, right, this you go into this room. What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good one. James, how oh, about you? That's, that's fucking smart. You're a dick, mate. That's not. That's a winner. <laughs> um, well, mine was mine was. Uh, I think selfishly the other way around. It would just be like uh, the retaining of information. Well, the ability to not see images. Okay. No, no, Sorry. no, no. It's in like um, instead of sharing it with the players, it'd be it'd be the superpower would be a personal superpower where it would be uh, retaining information. You know, like basically character sheet and notes. So you just sit there and it would just be like, you know, it would just be like perfectly in your head. You'd know your character sheet. It'd be like, roll the Your your superpower would be to be smart enough to remember absolutely everything. Yeah. Like a photographic memory. memory. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be handy. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, you are a drummer and you know what they say about drummers. Bangs a lot. That they're thick. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That answers the question. (laughs) But fucking, I'll tell you what my, um, my superpower would be. I think it would be to be able to communicate just to one player. So oh. I can send him little yeah, you know, yeah. whispers you know, like to when, GM. When somebody does a mind read power, I just tell them straight to their mind. <laughs> yeah, that'd I mean? be cool. <laughs> that'd be fucking Because we've currently got a guy on the team who has ESP so he can read minds. And the amount of times I need to go, right, let's go out the room. I need oh, to tell yeah. him. 
And yeah. everyone, every every single time, everyone makes the same joke. Oh, they're going to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking childish. Oh, oh, that was quick. That that one was. Oh, <laughs> well, I think our group is quite childish. Look at how look at what we were like last session when you came back and we got overexcited. We were just making noises all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah Stephen Keith, he says, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on Hubris, the DCC setting book by Mike Evans. It's built for random sandboxing with shit tons of cool tables some dark twists on the standard classes and it's got a number of new regions but the way the information is arranged is super light on fluff and heavy on the random mayhem for injecting into really any campaign in my estimation it's a rad dark fantasy treasure chest optimized for utilizing in the moment at the table the book is chock full of cool ideas i think you'd really like it especially the part about murder machines a playable class of dark <laughs> energy mutated soldiers with swiss army hands that turn into drills and shit nice um yep yeah. Nick, have you heard of Hubris? I haven't, no. No, I haven't heard of this, actually. So this was kind of like uh, one of the one of the big, like, you can't say flagship because it's a third-party product, but it's kind of the big, first big fucking setting for DCC that came out. And uh, mm. it, it does look cool. I tell you what, the one thing putting me off is that DCC as a book is big enough and yeah. carrying two giant books to a game. You know, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, I've definitely been having a look at it, and it looks fucking cool. The art on the cover is really great, and I've thought about buying it for review specifically on this podcast because I like the look of it. Um, so we definitely will check that out. He mm. actually finishes his email with "Dig the podcast as always." Missing the actual plays though. Maybe drop us a random one shot or two. Take care. Um, okay, so the big trouble with that is that I found I, I obviously I haven't really spoken to you guys about this, but I found that. The actual plays, because they, they, they very much revolve around James and Nick's characters bouncing off each other, and they're so fucking good at it and, and awesome. They kind of make the actual plays. As a result, like, I found that when we were doing it on, on Discord and trying to do it during the pandemic, because mm-hmm. we were trying to, you know, minimise contact, I found that um, it was people talking over each other and, and, you know, by accident, obviously, and then going, oh, sorry, mate, what did you say? Oh, say that again. Yeah. And it just didn't have a natural flow to it. And so likelihood is we're not going to be doing actual plays until we can meet up in person so it'll be a while um i hope that the the normal episodes you you enjoy them anyway um we really desperately want to get back to doing yeah. um actual plays and uh, i do have an idea for a christmas dirt boy blues special that oh, maybe oh, we could meet up maybe outside yeah, and do or something ah, yeah we can figure it out it's fine yeah, it's just that yeah. I, it didn't really work over over Discord, basically, which is yeah. a shame. And so, as a result, we're gonna we're gonna probably not do them for a bit. But once this is all over, I promise you, we'll get right the fuck back on it. Just I'm the, desperate to get into yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Just be the mask of, muffle, wouldn't it, at the moment? But if we can do something where we yeah could do it outside or whatever, then yeah. Do you reckon yeah. we'll <laughs> ever release that um, unedited episode? I, no. I thought about it, but the only reason I didn't release it is because it ended on a cliffhanger that's probably never going to get resolved. So I just thought, <laughs> fuck it, let's just leave it there. Fuck it. That, we can leave that that tunnels and trolls one up as as a one off episode, you know. And it's it's still a pretty funny episode, and I, I enjoyed making it. But it was a it was a pain to edit and a pain kind mm. of to do with. Uh, so I mean, we had a good time, but it's yeah. just the way it ended up sounding because we kind of we do the actual plays for you guys, you know, the fans. Exactly. So it's not yeah. as if we kind of want it to be of a certain quality and unfortunately it wasn't quite as good doing it over Discord. So, yeah. We'd rather not Although until he does we actually can follow up with another general question. He says, favourite D6-based dice pool system? Um, I'll read the rest of his message first and then we'll, we'll give our answers. And he says, so I bought a bunch of six-siders imagining the simple thrill 
the simple thrill of throwing <laughs> big handfuls of classic dice around a table with my pals. Glancing through a few options, standard D6, Cinema 6, Mini 6, Pip System, Tiny Dungeon, Elemental, and even that brutal one you guys mentioned back on the free games episode. Oh, bloody hell. All seemed cool, but with elements of, hmm, not quite. After I looked at an... Uh, Another I looked at was Victoriana, a steampunk game with pretty cool mechanics for contested roles. Doesn't seem like many people have played it though. I guess I'm sort of uh, looking for that elusive sweet spot between quick and crunchy, ideally throwing down more than just two or three cubes at a go. Are there any dice ball systems you guys really love? Yes. So, Nick? Uh, mutant. Oh yeah, good point. I forgot. Yeah, because that mm. uses d sixes, mm-hmm. and you don't need the proprietary dice to do it. Mutants no. are a fucking great shout. Yeah. Uh, really fun system. You know, sometimes you'll be rolling two or three, but if you're playing to your character's strengths, you can be rolling like up to Loads. ten, especially yeah. if you've got gear. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably yep. my one that springs to mind. Good. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and say Shadow Run. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I always talk about how I want to play that game more and I'm fucking desperate to play that game more because I fucking love it yeah. Um, but yeah that one works on a on a pool system and you know you're trying to get hits which I think are fives and sixes to try That's and beat right. uh, an amount of hits and um, you roll big fucking handfuls in that and the good <laughs> yeah, thing do. is it's a pool system but it's really easy to quickly read the dice because you're just mm-hmm. looking for fives and sixes you just take a glance at it and go okay three okay I got four hits you know things like this mm-hmm. Um, one I just want to quickly say one I don't recommend actually um, Tunnels and Trolls um, the reason I really actually ended up disliking it is um, well I like the system for solo play let's put it that way it's really mm. fun it's for perfect that. for solo perfect yeah mm. it's, yeah I mean it's built around it but the thing is is that you're rolling big fat pools of dice and having to add them all together and it just has terrible flow to it if you're playing by yourself it's fine because you can just sit there it's a nice relaxing activity add up all your dice but I found that combat was such a grind when you were doing it because even playing online, it was fucking annoying because then you yeah. have to subtract one from the other, and oh, it's a game yeah. where you need a calculator, you know. But yeah, mm. Shadowrun, that's my answer. Fucking love it, and it's uh, a mutant as well as a good shout because both systems you roll big handfuls, but you can read them in an instant. That's yeah. the beauty of it. That's it. Mm. Uh, James, how about you? I'm latching onto mutant, you know. Like to be honest, it's it's D six based, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. Good, good. All right, nice. Well, another one as well. I mean, this is a bit of a cheat answer, but Vampire the Masquerade is a good one. Pool system. Ah, uh, um, yeah, really it's D ten, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's D ten, so it's sort of going outside the scope of the question. But it's also a good game, and also quite difficult to re- uh, quite quite easy to read, <laughs> not difficult. <laughs> The best thing about HeroQuest is rolling to move. And you might roll your eyes at this, but it really adds to the drama. Will I trip on a flagstone or leap heroically into battle? Let's find out. The best thing about HeroQuest is ignoring the roll to move rule. So, John Williams says... Beans. He says, I can't really think of any epic moments, but I was wondering... How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood using different RPG systems? Stupid. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> yeah. He said, yes, but he did say, follow it up with, also, if you could use a time machine to steal any RPG and publish it as your own, what RPG would you steal and what year would you go back to publish it in? Ooh. I'll go to 1970. Pick up a little game called Dungeons and Dragons, kill Gygax, <laughs> take his idea, go back to 1960, publish it. Oh, okay. I all right. okay. All right. Yeah. Is that all right? No, no. But um, actually, we'll take that as we'll say that you can't say D and D because that's the obvious one. That's where the money's at. 
Um, I, but Nick, what, what do you reckon? I would take. Yeah, I know I'd do. I would so I would go to. I'm guessing the 80s. When did Call of Cthulhu first get published? Probably about then. About then, and I'd take it and I'd go back to H.P. Lovecraft time. What 1922, 1918, something like that, and then release it then and blow everyone's minds. What you could do is get him as a consultant on the game as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, but then travel back to travel back to the 80s and release it, and he'd be like consultant H.P. Lovecraft, and then people are like, "What?" But he died in. And you'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> mysterious, mysterious tome." <laughs> <laughs> You James, know, I'd, how about do, you? I'd do Sword World. Well, the because, Japanese fucking D and D game. Yeah, because it's um, it's like their most popular one out there, and I just I just release it a little smidge before its original release, and then um, it will be me crowned king. Uh, and and then you'd get to live in Japan. That'd be nice. Mm. Um, all right, weird answer. Didn't expect that one. Um, as for <laughs> yeah. mine, I, I actually don't know. I'm looking at my shelf currently. Um, fucking oh, uh, you know what I might do is I'd go back um, and. Like, um, I'd steal Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, right? Then go back before Savage Worlds Original Edition, first edition, and then re-release and release Adventure Edition like five minutes before Shane Hensley does. <laughs> nice. Really stick it to the man. I'd be like, I've, I've improved the game you haven't even come out with yet, so suck on my balls. <laughs> um, Owen Lane, minutes, he bro. comes in with one final question. He says, you've obviously learned a lot about podcasting over the years. What do you still need to learn? And the way How that's to... phrased, it kind of makes me think, you know, what do you still need to learn just in general? Oh, right. Well, for podcasts, I still need to learn how to do them well. Um, and That's true. We haven't mastered that part no. yet. We've uh, done them. We've done them, them, sure. Yeah. Good ones? But, mm. <laughs> nah. We've done <laughs> nah, about three mate. good ones in about 60, <laughs> 70 episodes. Uh, and in, in general life, what do you still need to learn? Um, right now, more Excel. <laughs> oh god <laughs> such a boring answer I know <laughs> alright um, yeah I, uh, with regards to podcasting of course um, uh, thank you for the criticism Gary McCallum early on yeah I, would, yeah I really want to get more into live streaming stuff and doing live podcasts where we have the chat available yeah. during our recording times which should Definitely. be really fun that's fun um, yeah I like all that I'd love to do I'd love to do live streams maybe video ones yeah. uh, things like this but mm-hmm. yeah um, you know it's not really podcasting but it's a part of the the brand as for something I'd still need to learn in real life I'd love to learn not to be quite as shy as I am all the time oh. and be able to make eye contact with people that'd be nice <laughs> that'd be nice wouldn't it but, um, <laughs> probably never happened I'm, I'm 32 now and and I don't think it's going to improve so <laughs> so there you go James how about you <laughs> Well, um, I think I would like to learn how to make a buck ton of money so that we, if for podcasting reasons, can have our own purpose-built area, um, like in a proper studio setting. Oh, like that'd be so one. cool. So we'd always sit there and, you know, if there's any uh, ever a pandemic, it will have our own little booths. Well, you know. Well, it'd be yeah. an underground bunker, surely. Underground bunker, yeah. But, you know, that top tier, you know, one day. Yeah, we're waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, tier. yeah, but that's a good time to mention that. Actually, we've got a ten thousand dollar tier on Patreon. So if you want to make our <laughs> dreams a reality, then get the fuck on it, right? I'm not, I'm not yeah. fucking around anymore, listeners. No, right? It's time to put your fucking hands in your pockets and give us ten grand because I'm furious with you. We want a bunker, okay? If you want this podcast to continue we, through the apocalypse, we need a bunker. 
Yeah. When the nukes hit, right, we're fucked now, okay? <laughs> and and we need that bunker, all right? So all we're right. doing we're going to do our annual bunker drive um, <laughs> where we beg for money. <laughs> so we could have a hole in the ground. It would be it would be nice to make decent money off this podcast, but I think what we need to do is rebrand as a lifestyle podcast <laughs> and, and have sort of a, a like middle-tier comedian from the UK on it and then we'll be fine. Then we're there. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right, watch this space right, listeners. Well, that's it for um, general questions. Uh, no, James, what do you still want to learn in your life? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, it'll be like some mad chef skills. I just want to get more Ooh. proficient at, at cooking stuff. You're quite a good cook. Because well, I love food. You need to cook yeah, more Yeah, but things. you know like the you know that um, the cool chopping technique? I tried it once and cut a bit of my finger off. Um, <laughs> and that that was that was a bit painful. Um, so, but I'd like it's to be It's because you're proficient. supposed to hold the knife up against your knuckles and keep your fingers back. Yeah, little bear, yeah, bear paw. Yeah, yeah. But it just didn't. You're not work supposed to chop was... directly into your hand. You probably had your hand like right over the cucumber you were trying to chop, and just chop it into your hand. <laughs> oh, if I know cucumber, you. And was, I, don't. I was trying to do it with a bit of garlic, and so I had to use like the tips <laughs> of my fingers. You know, there's that technique where you can push it with your thumb. I was doing that, but then I l- raised the knife too hard and too high, and this went down too hard. And I was like, oh, there's a quarter. Shanked himself. Fucking hell, I once cut my hand really badly and still still have a scar on my finger from where I fucked it up, right? Oh, I remember that. Um, for those that don't know the story, which is everyone, <laughs> I fucking, um, yeah, chopped into my hand. My fucking, like, big, big portion of my fucking finger was, was, was like, falling off. And uh, I was bleeding, like, like hell into the sink. <laughs> and I said to my wife, I was like, can you come here a minute? <laughs> she, she was like, no, I'm busy. What do you want? And I was like, uh, something bad's happened. I've cut myself. I'm bleeding really badly. Can you come here a minute? And she's like, she's like, no, come here. And I'm like, but I'll bleed on the carpet and you'll get annoyed. And she's like, will you just come here? So I walk through the house. I have a trail of blood following me through the flat. Get blood on the carpet, obviously, because I'm, I'm trying to catch it in my other hand. Can't hold it. Can't like hold it all within that hand. And then her first thought is to go, you've got it all over the carpet. And I'm like, I did fucking warn you, for Christ's sake. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, man. she was annoyed that I'd ruined the carpet. My finger's hanging by a thread. <laughs> I just I just sort of put it... I actually superglued it back on, which is terrible, but <laughs> that's what superglue was originally invented for, so that's fine. Exactly. There you go. Keeping your body together. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was in World War One, I, I think. But yeah, oh, anyway, wow. so yeah, I've got a, I've got a mangled finger. <laughs> um, that was a re- real, real big aside there. But should we do an, an outro? <laughs> yes, let's do All right. So, will you just please don't do that? It's horrible. I'm, go- I'm gonna have to listen to that again when I edit this episode. Hello, little whisper at the end. Hello, sorry. So uh, that was a good episode of the podcast. Um, no, this is this is sickening. Stop making those noises. Are you trying to do ASMR? Is that ASMR. Yeah. Fuck me. The best thing about Hero Quest is the expansions, which you should immediately discard because the only true way to expand Hero Quest is with more Hero Quest. It's the only way you can experience such cracking custom scenarios as the dreaded Fortress O Peril and Gravity Land. Okay, we all done, right? We had fun now with the ASMR shit. Let's fucking get on with the podcast, shall we? Thank you very much for. Thank you very much for tuning in, everyone. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your stories. We've had a good time here today I'm sure you'll agree um, bear in mind we've got a Patreon we've got fucking $1 tiers $5 tiers $10,000 tiers so if you want to go over there and donate 
as much as you can because you know it's going to it's going to a good cause, right? It's keeping three boys safe from nukes. Um, and remember, we got product out there on um, on on Drive Through RPG, 3T RPG Publishing. Search it up. Um, you get like one of our you know budget mini products, and you get to support the show at the same time. Um, you can contact us ma- mainly, you know, on Facebook. So like us on there. We're also on Twitter and and uh, YouTube and all of this stuff. And uh, yeah, email us at three trpgpod at gmail dot com. Nick, uh, you got anything to say? Any closing comments? Um, yeah, get out there and um, start eating some dragon eye sockets. Thank you. Um, all right, so I've been Harrison Hunt. <laughs> I've been Nick Lambslice. I've been Jimmy Jambo McJima James. Ooh. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time. Oh, Yay! <laughs> Very nice. Love you. Very nice podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>